Okay, brothers and sisters, praise be to our loving Abba. And we're gathered once again to our Bible study today. Um, take note, today's Thursday. And so we have moved back to Thursday, our Bible history project. This way, our brethren from the East Coast who have worship service the following day, Saturday or early morning, will have an opportunity to join us live because they don't have to wake up early the following day for worship service. So anyways, we're going to go back to the study of the book of Numbers, and we're going to study all about the Nazarites. How many here have heard of the Nazarites? You probably have heard of the Nazarites. However, take note, there's a difference between Nazarites and Nazarenes, right? Yahushua was a Nazarene. What does that mean? He grew up in Nazareth. Nazarites doesn't mean it, it has no involvement with Nazareth. And so what is a Nazarite? What is that all about? And what does it mean to take up the vows of a Nazarite? And that's what we're going to study today in our Bible history project. So according to the Holy Scriptures, what does Yahuwah God offer to all his people Israel? Let's read the book of Numbers 6, 1 to 2. Then Yahusha said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to Yahuwah in a special way. So what was offered by Yahuwah, our God, to his people Israel? He said, tell the people, any of them, whether men or women, that they can become a Nazarite. What does it mean to be a Nazarite? It means you set yourself apart, dedicated completely to Yehovah God in a special way. If you still remember, there was a group of people that Yehovah God set apart for himself, right? Who were they again? The Levites. And when we saw what Yehovah God said, I have as my possession the people or the group of the Levites, maybe some of us felt some kind of spiritual jealousy, right? A godly jealousy, like what Apostle Paul felt back then. And so Yahuwah God is giving the opportunity, not just for Levites, but for all people of Israel, men and women, to also be in a special relationship with Yahuwah our God by becoming a Nazarite. Now, what does that mean to become a Nazarite? It means you become set apart by Yahuwah. And so if you are set apart by Yahuwah, then Yahuwah God can use you in a special way. Oftentimes, when the people of God, when someone, for example, experiences a trouble, a disease, Maybe he or she is going to face a big challenge in life. And he or she wants Yahuwah God to use him as a way to give glory to him. Then he has a need for a special relationship with who? Yahuwah God. How many here have experienced in their lifetime something of a predicament or maybe a special challenge? I think all of us have, right? This is why sometimes when we pray to our loving God, we say to ourselves, Oh, Father, if only you will deliver me this time, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you, right? It all came from number 6122. During the days of Israel, when people needed perhaps a favor, 
a special favor from God, they took up a special vow. This way, they will be set apart by Jehovah God, and God can use them in a special and powerful way. Now, who was a good example of a Nazarite? When was this word first used in Holy Scriptures? The book of Genesis 49, 26, blessings of grain and flowers, blessings of ancient mountains, delightful things from everlasting hills, May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the one set apart from his brothers, who was, what, who was the first one that was recognized as someone set apart. The word Nazarene, Nazarite, was used ab about him. Who was that? Joseph. We all know about Joseph, right? Out of all the, bro the brothers, he was the one used by God to deliver the people of Israel. Take note, during that time, there was a big predicament. What was that? There was a famine. And Yahuwah God set apart Joseph. He used him as the instrument to set free and liberate the people of Israel. This is why Joseph became a type of Yahushua, right? We look at the incidences of Joseph's life and ministry. It parallels in many aspects and many ways, ministry and the context of Yahusha HaMashiach. And so Joseph was set apart. When we look at the word set apart there in Genesis 49, 26, when we look at the Hebrew word, uh, it is actually the word Nazir. You see that? Of him that was separate. Hebrew word 5139. What does that mean? It simply means consecrated one, devoted one, Nazarite. And so if there were people during the days of Israel who needed to have a special relationship with God, perhaps they just want to have fellowship, complete fellowship with Yahuwah Abba because of their love for him, they would become Nazarites. Well, how do you, how do you become a Nazarite? If you were alive during that time, how many of you would be Nazarites? To become a Nazarite, what had to happen? Well, this is what it says in Numbers. Yahuwah said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite. And so for them to become a Nazarite, they have to take on a vow, a special vow. Why is a vow needed? Because for you to have a special relationship with Yahuwah, what you need is commitment. Sometimes people just want to buy off God. If I give this offering to him, that's my relationship with him. Yahuwah God wants more than your offerings. What does he want? He wants commitment. This is why this involves a special vow. A vow means commitment. And so to become a Nazarite, you have to make a special vow. You have to make a commitment to Yahuwah, our God. Now, what is this special vow all about? There are three vows that the Nazarites make. You know what they are? And after we go through these vows of the Nazarites, I'm going to ask you if you're willing to take up those vows. When you, when you say, when you offer up these vows to Yahuwah God to be a Nazarite, it means you're giving up certain things because he wants you to be separated, to be cut off 
to be separate from certain things. So what are the things that we need to be willing to give up to show our commitment, to show our complete dedication to Yehovah our God? What are the three vows? What's the first one? Number six, three down to four, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. Wanna pause up for a while? How many here have a challenge with this one? Nobody here? I mean, we're not talking about getting drunk. We're talking about drinking, even if it's one shot, right? No alcoholic beverage can touch your lips if you decide to take on the Nazarene vow. They must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice. So even if it's just grape juice, you can't drink it. And they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by the Nazarite vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine. Not even the grape seeds or skins. Apparently during the days of the people of Israel, the vine was a symbol of prosperity, right? When people were happy, when they celebrated, they often celebrated with the fruit from the vine. People you know, become merry, become happy, celebrate with produce from a grape vine. But if you were going to become a Nazarite, you had to give up drinking and eating anything that comes from the vine. So you can't have, what is that bread? that is prepared during the, uh, the winter, during the, the season, what is that called? Fruit bread, what is that? Fruit cake, <laughs> you can't have fruit cake, right? You cannot eat anything or drink anything that comes from the grapevine. That's the first vow. How many here think, I got this brother, I got this, I can do it. I think some of you are saying, I can do it brother, I can be a Nazarite. Well, let's go take a look at the next one. What is the next one? Let's read number six, five. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to Yahuwah. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. Two things I want to point out here. First, I want to point out that the Nazarite vow is something that you make voluntarily, male or female. However, it doesn't have to be permanent. It can be temporary. That's why it says in the passage, until the time of their vow has been fulfilled. So you get to determine how long that vow is going to be for. It's between you and your God. And so when you are in or within that window of your vow to be a Nazarite, you have to keep the promises, one of which you cannot eat or drink anything that comes from the vine. Number two, what is it? You must never cut your hair throughout the time of your vow. In other translations, you can't shave either. This is a Nazarite vow. So number two, must not cut their hair. How many hair can do that? I think some of you are saying, I can do that too, brother. Not a big deal. What's number three? What is vow number three? Let's look. Number six, six to eight. And they must not go near a dead body. 
you might be saying, oh, that's not a problem for me. You don't have to convince me about that one. I'm afraid of cemeteries, right? Bible says they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to Yahuwah, even if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister, they must not defile themselves for the hair on their head. It's a symbol of their separation of God. This requirement applies as long as they are set apart to Yahuwah. So what is the third vow of a Nazarite? They must not go near a dead body. And so you cannot attend a funeral, even if it is someone special to your life, like your father, your mother, brother, or sister. You cannot even go near their body when they die. So these are the three vows that Yahuwah God has given to a Nazarite. And after the vow, the period of your vow has been completed, then you can go ahead and resume normal everyday activities. However, while the vow is still relevant, the vow is still applicable, you cannot do any of these things, especially number three. You must not go near a dead body if by chance what if for example you made a vow to be a nazarite right and so you're walking one day you're walking with someone with you how many here have ever taken a walk with someone maybe you take a long walk in the park you've done that before well what if you're walking one day right and all of a sudden the person next to you drops dead heart attack maybe has that happened to you before Never happened to you before? Sometimes that might happen. You never know, right? And so you're walking one day, somebody drops down. The person dies, and you're right next to the person. And so you just violated the vow of a Nazarite. But it's not my fault. Yeah, we know that. But God is in control. There must be a reason. And so what does one need to do whenever something like that happens? If someone falls dead beside you. Let's read the book of Numbers 6, 9. If someone falls dead beside them, the hair they have dedicated will be defiled. They must wait for seven days and then shave their heads. Then they will be cleansed from their defilement. And so just in the event, somebody falls dead beside you and you are a Nazarite, you made a vow. What do you need to do? You have to wait, you have to wait seven days and then shave your head and this will cleanse you. But on the eighth day, what are you supposed to do? Uh, number 6, 10 to 12, on the eighth day, they must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one of the birds for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will purify them from the guilt they incurred through contact with the dead body. Then they must reaffirm their commitment and let their hair begin to grow again. The days of their vow that were completed before their defilement no longer count. So they have to start over, right? They must rededicate themselves to Yahuwah as a Nazarite for the full term of their vow. And each must bring a one-year-old lamb for a guilt offering. It could be costly. You got to get turtle doves and pigeons and a lamb, right? So on the eighth day after you shave your head, you have to go to the tabernacle and you have to give offering to Yahuwah. You have to give a, a sin offering, a burnt offering, and then reaffirm your commitment and rededicate yourself to Yahuwah God 
as a Nazarite. And so the vow resets itself. Now, eventually, you're going to come to the conclusion of your vow. If one, for example, will make a 30-day vow or a one-year vow, at the conclusion of your vow, what do you need to do so that your vow can be completed? This is what it says in number 6, 13 to 17. This is the ritual law of Nazarites. At the conclusion of their time of separation as Nazarites, they must each go to the entrance of the tabernacle and offer their sacrifices to Yahuwah, a one-year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering. On pause or for a while. When it comes to offering a lamb, that's pretty expensive, right? Especially if it's young and, and male. And so before you're going to make any kind of a, a vow, you have to make sure you can afford it. So a one-year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a one-year-old female lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a peace offering. It kind of adds up, doesn't it? Right? A basket of bread made without yeast, uh, cakes of choice flour mixed with olive oil and wafer spread with olive oil along with their prescribed grain offerings and liquid offerings. The priest will present these offerings before Yahuwah, first the sing offering and the burnt offering, then the ram for a peace offering, along with the basket of bread made without yeast. The priest must also be present, must also present the prescribed grain offering and liquid offering to Yahuwah. And so when the vow comes to a conclusion, how do you conclude it? You have to go to a priest at the tabernacle. You are to present offerings to Yahuwah God. First, you have to give a sin offering. This is just in case you inadvertently sin during the time of your vow, your sins are forgiven. You're also to give a burnt offering and a peace offering. This is a symbol of your dedication to Yahuwah God. Because when you give a burnt offering, you give the whole animal, right? And so this shows absolute surrender to Yahuwah's will. You also give grain offering and liquid offering. What does that translate to? If you still remember the offerings that we studied before, that is fellowship offering. That stands for once living in harmony and fellowship with Yahuwah, our God. And so when you conclude the vow, your vow, you do so with a lot of offerings, which symbolize your dedication to Yahuwah, our God. And so after the offerings, what happens next as part of that ritual? This is what it says in Numbers 6, 18 and 20. Then the Nazarites will shave their heads at the entrance of the tabernacle. They will take the hair that had been dedicated and place it on the fire beneath the peace offering sacrifice. After the Nazarite's head has been shaved, the priest will take for each of them boiled shoulder of the ram, and he will take from the basket a cake and a wafer made without yeast. He will put them all into the Nazarite's hands, and the priest will lift them up as a special offering before Yahuwah. These are holy portions for the priest along with the breast of the special offering and the five, the sacred offering, they're lifted up before Yahuwah. After the ceremony, the Nazarites may again drink wine, right? So that concludes the vow of a Nazarite. It includes giving of offering, cutting your hair, 
And after this is done, you can go back to your normal living conditions. And so when a person decides to become a Nazarite, what must they be careful to do? Number 621, this is the ritual law of the Nazarites who vow to bring these offerings to Yahuwah. They may also bring additional offerings if they can afford it. And they must be careful to do whatever they vowed when they set themselves apart as Nazarites. And so if you are serious about being a Nazarite, you have to be careful to do and follow the rituals that you vow to do when you decide to set yourself apart as a Nazarite. That way you can receive the help and power and strength of our God. Now, when it comes to blessings, Yahuwah God wants to bless his people. This is why he ordered Aaron and his priests to give a special blessing to the people of Israel. How so? What is the important part of this blessing? Let's read in the book of Numbers 6. This will conclude, by the way, Numbers chapter 6. Yahuwah said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, Yahuwah bless you and keep you. Yahuwah make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahuwah turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So the people of Israel were blessed by invoking the name of Yahuwah our God. And so there as people of God, you have the awesome privilege to receive blessing and to have a special relationship with God. One way is by becoming a Nazarite. Now, a, Naz a person can voluntarily become a Nazarite, but there are times when parents can dedicate their children to be a Nazarite. Did you know that? Yeah. Like who? Well, let's read here. You're probably familiar with this story. The Israelites sinned against Yahuwah again and let the Philistines rule them for 40 years. At that time, there was a man named Manoah from the town of Zorah. He was a member of the tribe of Dan. His wife had never been able to have children. And so we hear we have here uh, someone by the name by by a man named Manoah, right? And he's facing two problems. What's problem number one? The Israelites, because he is an Israelite, he belongs to the tribe of Dan, right? The Israelites are being ruled by who? Philistines, because they rejected Yahuwah God. And we see in the book of Judges this pattern of the people of Israel turning away from God, God restoring them, right? And then they turn away from God again, God restores them. They turn away from God again, God restores them. You see this pattern throughout the book of Judges. God's people, for some reason, find it difficult to be committed, to maintain commitment to following Yahuwah Abba, for some reason. I guess it's human nature. I don't think it's uniquely the ways of the Israelites. I think a lot of us are like that, right? Maybe you're in trouble one day. Oh Lord, Yahuwah God, if you will just deliver me from this predicament, if you give me this job, I'm going to follow you. And so Yahuwah God listens. He gives you what you're asking for. 
you're in safety now, right? You're doing well now, everything's fine. What happens? Kind of forget God, right? That's what happened to Israel. Every time someone was used by God to deliver the people of Israel, after a while, they forget God and go back to their old ways. And so this is what happened to the people of Israel. They were delivered to the hands of the Philistines. But the other problem with Manoah was he wanted, he didn't have a child because his wife had never been able to have children. And so what did they do? Let's read Ju uh, Judges 13, 3 down to 5. Yahuwah's angel appeared to her, the wife, and said, you have never been able to have children, but soon, but you will soon be pregnant and have a son. Be sure not to drink any wine or beer or eat any forbidden food. What is that forbidden food? Raisins, <laughs> right? Any food that's from the product of a grapevine. And after your son is born, you must never cut his hair because from the day of his birth, he will be dedicated to God as a, what does that say? Nazarite. He will begin the work of rescuing Israel from the Philistines. And so this promised son is to be used by God because he was dedicated to be what? A Nazarite. You see, when you become a Nazarite, it means God will use you in some special way, right? The way Joseph was used. Who was the fulfillment of this promised son right there? You know who that was? Samson, not Delilah. Samson, right? He was the one God used to deliver Israel from clutches out the Philistines. Who also was dedicated to be a Nazarene, a Nazarite, I should say. Let's read the book of 1 Samuel 1, 9 to 11. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. I want to pause her for a while. Do you remember the story of Hannah? What was her big problem? What was Hannah's big problem? She couldn't get, a, she couldn't get pregnant. Right? She couldn't get pregnant. And so, do you see a pattern here? So if you have pregnancy issues, Maybe you can take a Nazarite vow. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to Yahuwah, and she made this vow. She made a vow. O Yahuwah of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to Yahuwah, his hair will never be cut. And so here we find an example of children being dedicated to Yahuwah God, to be a Nazarite, right? And here we find also an example of a Nazarite whose vow is permanent for a lifetime, right? And so this was Hannah. She makes a vow to Yahuwah Abba and asks him and says to him if he will look upon her sorrow and that she be given a son, that he will be dedicated to God. His hair will never be cut. In other words, this was a, a vow of a Nazarite. And so who was that son? Who do you think it was? For Samuel, 1, 19 to 20. The entire family got up early the next morning 
and went to worship Yahuwah once more, and they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, Yahuwah remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for he, for she said, I asked Yahuwah for him. We all know about Samuel, right? How he started the school of prophets, the greatest of the judges. He is the one that Yahuwah gave to a praying Hannah after dedicating his would-be born son as a Nazarite. And so we have two examples so far, right? Number one, who is that? Samson. Number two, we have Samuel. Who else was dedicated to God to become a Nazarite? Let's read the book of Luke 1, 5 to 7. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron, and so they belonged to a priestly class. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Do you see a repeating pattern here? And so we have another one who finds difficulty in getting a child, right? Elizabeth was old, unable to conceive. What, what happened? Apparently they prayed. They prayed to Yahuwah God, right? Apparently they probably made a vow also to Yahuwah God because Yahuwah answers the prayer through an angel. Luke 1, 12 to 15. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Who was that? John E. Baptist. So we have three Nazarite, uh, Nazarites so far. Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist. But in their cases, it was a lifetime, right? Their entire life, they had to be a Nazarite. And in their cases, it was their parents who dedicated them to become Nazarites. So who is an example of one who, by choice, voluntarily, he became a Nazarite? You know who? Let's read the book of Acts, 18.18. Paul, how many here know Paul? Who is that? Also Paul. Paul stayed on with the believers in Corinth for many days, then left them and sailed off with Priscilla and Aquila for Syria. Before sailing from Centria, he had his head shaved because of a vow he had taken. And so here we have Paul, while in Corinth, before sailing from Centria, what did he do? He had to get his head shaved. What does that show you? He's completed his vow. When did he take his vow? The Bible doesn't say. It could have been maybe several, several years back or several months back. The Bible does not indicate that. What we do know is Apostle Paul made the vow of a Nazarene. And at this point, it was completed. 
To complete it, he had to perform the ceremonies of the ritual, one of which is to shave his head. This is why at this point he was going to conclude his Nazarite vow. And so he dedicated himself to do the work of Yahuwah, our God. You might be saying to yourself, brother, how can we, how can we show to God that we want to be dedicated to him? How can we become like a Nazarite and take on that vow before Yahuwah our God? Well, this is what it says in the book of Romans 12, 1 to 2. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. How can we take on the Nazarite vow for ourselves in a Christian context? We do that by dedicating ourselves, setting apart ourselves to belong to Yahuwah God. How do you do that? We separate ourselves from the world, right? This is why we do not conform to the standards of the world. Why is that significant? Because we live in the world. Sometimes when you live in the world, the customs, the rules of culture tell us what is right and what is wrong. Bible says, however, if we dedicate ourselves to God, what, is, what determines what is right and wrong is not culture. What is it? The word of God. And so first thing, we need to separate ourselves from the customs of the world and then offer to God ourselves as living sacrifices. And so how can we take on the three vows of the Nazarite in the Christian context? Remember the three vows of the Nazarites? What was number one again? Yeah, number one is must not eat or drink anything that comes from Divine. So we're Yahushans. We follow Yahusha. We belong to the Christian era, right? How can we on? Because when you look at the vows of the Nazarite, these three things, do you think they're important to God? Do you think they're important to God? These three vows? I think so. I mean, Yahuwah God doesn't haphazardly choose, okay, what should I include in that Nazarite vow? No. This shows us Although God is not telling us we cannot do these things, but this shows us what is valuable to Yahuwah God, right? And so how can we translate that and make it applicable and apply it in our life today? For example, must not eat or drink anything that comes from the vine. What is the equivalent of that? What is like that? Let's read the book of Titus 2, 11 and 13. For God has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people, that grace instructs us to give up to give up ungodly living and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this world as we wait for the blessed day we hope for when the glory of our great God and Savior, Yahushua Christ, will appear according to scriptures because we are still here on earth. We are still in the world. The Bible tells us that we have to give up ungodly living and worldly passions. And because we live as people with a human nature, all of us have a human nature, right? I mean, if we're going to be careful, 
this is uh, if I were you, I'd keep away from alcoholic beverages. Are we telling you it's wrong to take alcoholic beverages? No. But if you take a sip, it's dangerous, right? You take one drink, it becomes easier to take that next drink because we have the flesh, we have the human nature. And so if we are extra careful, if we want to really dedicate our lives to Yahuwah God, we won't even give the devil an opportunity. Are we telling you you cannot drink wine? We're not saying that. Right? What are we telling you? Do not give the devil an opportunity. If you have a weakness for wine, why are you going to take that sin? Right? Why does it have to be wine when you celebrate? Right? Because right now, especially when we live close to the end times, or close to the end, we are in the end times, we know the devil is going to do his best. And so we need to make sure that we protect ourselves from worldly passions. This is why Yahusha once said, if your hand causes you to sin, what should you do? Cut it off. If your eyes cause you to sin, what should you do? Pluck it out, right? And so we have to be very careful. We need to know our weaknesses and let us do our best that we live self-controlled lives by the power of the spirit. Well, how about vow number two? Must not cut their hair. Hmm, what does that mean? You know, when a person has the long hair, it's not cut, what did it actually symbolize? If you go back to number six, five to six, as long as you are under the Nazarite vow, you must not cut your hair or shave. You are bound by the vow for the full time that you are dedicated to Yahuwah and you shall let your hair grow. Why? Your hair is the sign of your dedication to God. And so one of the reasons why the hair was not cut is so that it can provide a sign. It, it is a sign, a visible sign of one's dedication to God. You know who else had a visible sign of one's dedication to God? Do you remember Moses when he went to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights? He went up to the mountain. He fellowshiped with God. When he came back to the people, what happened to his face? Had a shine, right? It was like radiation on his face. He was radiating light. He didn't notice it, but the people noticed and they were afraid. They would not approach him. You see, when you, when you are so dedicated to God, when you're so close to God, you're going to eventually have a sign, right? You're going to have a sign. And so during our time, what is that sign? That sign that shows our dedication to Yahuwah God. Let's read the book of Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And so what should be our sign that we are dedicated to God? we are changed more and more into the image of Yahuwah God and Yahusha HaMashiach. What is that image of Yahuwah God and Yahusha HaMashiach? 
Is it a physical image we're talking about here? What is that image? It is the image of holiness and love, right? That is the image that must be our sign to show our dedication to God. No longer about your hair or your physical appearance. What is important here is not the externals, but the internal. During the days of Moses, when Moses got the chance to be with God, he was changed externally too, right? During our time, the veil has been removed. Because during the time of Moses, during that time, there was still a veil. There was still that separation because Yahushua has not been, has not died yet for us, has not died for us yet. Now that Yahushua has died and we have the gift of the Spirit, the Bible says, Apostle Paul is saying, the veil has been removed. Now we have that relationship with Yahuwah. And so we need to spend time with God, spend time with Yahushua. The more we dedicate ourselves to God, the more we are transformed from the inside out. In other words, we become more and more like Yahuwah and Yahusha in their image, the image of holiness and the image of love. Okay? Lastly, number three, must not go near a dead body. Why was that so important to Yahuwah God? Because God is not God of the dead. He's a God of the living. What did Apostle Paul say? Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Bible says that we should not even approach or be near a dead body. You know what God is trying to tell us? God doesn't want us to be dead. What do you mean he doesn't want us to be dead? He wants us to be alive because he's a God of the, the, the living, not the God of the dead. How can we be truly alive though? This is where a lot of people get it wrong. People think they can be truly alive without Christ. No, to be truly alive, you need to first crucify yourself. And so what does it mean to be truly alive? It means to be alive in Christ, to live by faith in the Son of God, or to live by faith in Christ. This is why Apostle Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so for us to show our vow that we are truly dedicated to God, we must live in Christ. How can we do that? What does that mean? Let's read what it says in the book of John 15, 4, 9 to 11. Live in me and I will live in you. A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. The same way you cannot produce fruit unless you live in me. I have loved you by the same way the Father has loved me. So live in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will live in my love. I have, obey, I have obeyed my father's commandments. And in that way, I live in his love. I have told you this so that you will be as joyful as I am. And your joy will be complete. Yahuwah God wants that Yahusha lives in us. That's what he wants. Why? Because if Yahusha lives in us, the dead no longer affect us. You get it? Because yeah, wherever Yahusha is, there's no death. <laughs> Yahusha is the antithesis of death. 
And so if we have Yahusha in us, we have conquered death. And so what, what does it mean to have Yahusha live in us? It means Yahusha's joy lives in us. This is why as followers of God, followers of Yahusha, we are set apart. And so what should make us different from the people of the world is our joy. What do you think? If you are a follower of Yahusha and you're always so sad. <laughs> oh, this pandemic. Oh, oh God, you're always like down and defeated. Right? Do you think we're properly representing Yahusha? No. We need to be filled with life. And to be filled with life means to be filled with joy. What kind of joy? The joy of Yahusha because he says, I want you to be as joyful as I am. And your joy will be complete. And so when we are out there in the world, because the Nazarites, they were not going to isolate themselves. No, the Nazarites were to go all over the place. And they were to announce, I'm a Nazarite. People know they're Nazarites because of their hair, right? And they were supposed to reflect the beauty, and the glory of Yahuwah God. Us, we as followers of Yahuwah and Yahusha, when we go out there throughout the world, what should we bring to the people of the world? The final passage of our studies today, the book of Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, as far as God is concerned, there, there is a sweet, wholesome fragrance in our lives. It is the fragrance of Christ within us. An aroma to both the saved and the unsaved all around us. To those who are not being saved, we seem a, we seem a fearful smell of death and doom. But to those who know Christ, we are a life-giving perfume. But who, is but who is adequate for such a task as this? And so for us to show our dedication to Yahuwah and Yahusha, our life should show it. It should reflect it. What kind of life must we live? We must live our life so it becomes a fragrance, a wholesome and sweet fragrance so that when people are around us, they can smell the aroma of Christ in us, a life-giving perfume, right? Not the stench of death, but a life-giving perfume. That should be our life. That is what we need to spread throughout the world to show our dedication to Yahuwah and Yahusha. Okay? All right, that is our lesson for today. Let's all stand and we shall praise our God and His Son. Almighty and loving Father, Yahuwah, we are before you once again to offer you praise and thanks. Although our hands are not raised, we make a vow to you that we will live according to your will yes. as best as we can. Yes. Father, help us that we can be fully and completely dedicated to you. Amen. We know the world is about to end. Yes. The stench of death is everywhere. Yes. Help us to be a fragrance of sweet life, yes. not ordinary life. But life that comes from your beloved son, Yahushua, our king. Yes. May you live in us. May your joy be in us. That we can represent you properly, yes. the people of this age. Amen. Help us to be like you. May we grow to become more and more like you. Yes. In faith, in love, 
in holiness that we can fulfill our purpose. Father, bless your people. May you watch over our steps that we can always be guided to live a righteous way of life. We ask and beg everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.